Hi, and welcome to ECE Honestly with Kayla and Lisa. Here we discuss the ups and downs of working in the field of early childhood education. So listen, hopefully learn, and enjoy. We would like to acknowledge with gratitude that we live, work, and learn on the unceded and traditional territories of the Coast Salish, Quiquitlam, Tsleil-Waututh, Squamish, and Stolo peoples. On this episode, Kayla and I will be discussing care during COVID. Very hot topic right now. Very hot topic. And this is something that just came up the other day when I was speaking to a family that I nanny for. And he asked me, because one of their daughters is going back into elementary school, and he said to me, well, do you think schools are ready? And I kind of had to pause and think about that because... None of us were ever ready for this. No. We're in such unprecedented times and there's so much uncertainty that it really, I don't think you can ever really be fully ready. No. For that change, for that transition. And I think being prepared, I think schools are preparing as best they can without actually having students present. Yes. It's, it's so different when you can you can plan all these things out. You can say, this is how it's going to go. This is how it's going to happen. But when it actually comes time to fulfilling that plan, it unravels so differently. Just like with any experiment or experience totally. you have out for children. And especially because this is still such a new virus. I mean, if we're really putting this into perspective, this is less than a year. Yeah. We, like... literally less than a year Mm -hmm. um and I think the other thing that's very different about it is it is affecting not just people over there but it's affecting us worldwide and that's something really big to um to consider because in the past when you know when we had other outbreaks of viruses or new viruses especially here in the western world Mm -hmm. you you know you really don't understand how that is going to affect a person until it affects you directly exactly and you know even when covid was still very new the mentality around it and i'm and i'm guilty of this as well and i have to recognize where you know my my train of thought was you never expect something like this to happen to you personally because again this was something that was happening on the other side of the world well you know if it's, it's oceans away yeah it's you not know gonna touch me that's unfortunate but you go about your day and it really what it what was it in like march yeah that literally everything just went upside down and went nope it's here now and you have to be careful you have to be aware you have to take that ownership to make sure that you what your actions are not affecting everybody else and it was a gong show it was such a gong show i mean i mean all of you listening can attest to the fact that paper towel was not available toilet paper toilet paper wasn't available bleach hand sanitizer lysol wipes i went into an m&m's a small local m&m's and they were completely wiped out yep it was the yeah costco was empty like when did we ever think that was gonna happen (laughs) part of me is like where are people storing all this totally we live in vancouver and there's a lot of tall apartment buildings yeah apartments like where are you finding space for all this extra quote-unquote survival yes the yeah the bunkering down like the apocalyptic preparation and we are so privileged to live in a place where that is not something that we need to panic about and you know not 
not have access for elders to get their groceries. You yes. know what I mean? So it's really t- completely flipped. And I was really not sure what to say back to this parent and that, you know, they're prepared, but it's week by week. Yeah. We really have to it's see what it's like. Yeah. When kids come back in and teachers are in, how is that going to unfold? We don't know. We don't know. And that's, I think that's the scariest part. It is. is. That's, it's the unknown. It's the fear of the unknown. Yeah. You know. We like predictability. Yes. Because it makes us feel safe. It makes us feel secure. I, for mm-hmm. one, will fully admit that I am I can be a control freak. I don't like the unknown. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of reasons as to why I'm like that. And I, um, I do think that it has to do with a lot of past traumas that I experienced um, when I was younger. And... For me personally, being in control means that I know what's going to happen because I'm in charge and yeah. nobody else is. And that's a very hard thing to let go of. Yeah. And I've been working on letting go of that. And right now... You don't have a choice. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like right now, I literally don't have... The, I don't have a choice, you yeah. know? My... And again, that's the scariest part for me is that my health and safety is so dependent on the response of everybody else yes. taking their part. Exactly. And that's so scary. Yeah. The six feet apart uh, is something that children of this age, of this generation, will forever know. Yeah. You know, it's you kind of get to a certain point with someone when you're talking, and then you think to yourself, oh, I'm a little too close. And even when I first started nannying for this family at the beginning of summer, I mean, I've taken care of these boys numerous times before you know been in their house and when I showed up on that first day and I knew what the six feet was and as I was getting closer they said to me no no stop you can't get any closer than us because because of COVID yeah and it I I hadn't interacted with a child yet that had said that to me and it was so shocking so weird I I kind of just felt like oh it's like I wanted to say it's okay, but they, yeah. I mean, they were right. I shouldn't get any closer. I knew that. They knew that. But I, I wanted to comfort them. That totally. Like, I know. I'm, I'm here to, pro- I'm protecting you. I'm like, here I, to keep you healthy and keep you safe. And they want to keep themselves safe. Yes. And, and again, I think we talked about um, this in our first episode. Children are always listening. Yes. And so, we don't know what what's happening in their households you know like parents are listening to the news they're reading the news that's maybe that's on in the background you know maybe they were listening to dr henry which shout out to dr henry um you know maybe they were listening to dr henry and what she had to say or what the premier had to say or what you know, the prime minister was saying in the morning debriefs and what's going on over here and what, you know, how is Canada different from the United States? You know, visualizing it. Yeah. People dying, people getting sick, you know, we don't know. We don't know what was going on in, in the world of these children. And now their fears are coming out in a different way. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely, gonna be completely different it when, will when students go back and on top of that child care is already back 
And well, childcare never it, left. It never left, right? Because there needs to be a place for the essential workers, and we are essential workers. Well, and this is, again, one and of the biggest... Have, do you have the luxury of being able to close your center? Totally. Some people did and some people didn't. Well, and so I... Um, when the height of all this COVID was happening was in March, um, when the center that I work, that I work in... They're okay. So first of all, we're all scared because again, it's the unknown. And I will be the first one to admit that I was freaking out. And again, I was not being a good educator because my priority was I want to listen to the news. I want to know what's happening. And at that time, parents were also extremely fearful. But you're also exposed. Yes. To 30 some odd different families. Yeah. Do you know if they're following the rules or not? Or the guidelines? Yeah, exactly. And I had families at that time who were still traveling. So they're going here, they're going there. Some families uh, chose to uh, chose to not travel just because they didn't know what was happening and they thought it was safer for them to cancel mm-hmm. all plans. Um, but I did have some families who were still traveling. Uh, I had a parent who actually came in contact with a person who tested positive for COVID. And that family had to uh, completely sell, you know, they had to, they had to quarantine all four of them. Like, and at that time, parents were, they were dropping out like flies. Like they were pulling children out of the centers. They were staying home. They were, there was such a high level of fear. And again, not just parents, but also for educators. Um, I remember, and I remember one day we, and I remember this day so specifically because I remember being so angry. Um, it was the day that we were basically listening to see whether or not they were going to close schools and childcare. Mm-hmm. And we only, it was me, my senior educator, and two other workers. And we only had one child. So on a daily basis, we have, you know, on a daily basis, we'll have full capacity and full capacity for the center that I work in right now is 12 children in an infant toddler program. And you had one. And we had one. So with four educators. educators. So first of all, this child was ecstatic because she had all of our attention (laughs) and she had free range of the entire classroom. Like nothing, you know, she didn't have to share. Like for her, it was a day in, oh my gosh, it was amazing for her. Whereas you have the four adults who are so anxious. And I worked with a lady whose husband has very uh, compromised immunity. Mm. He, if I'm not mistaken, he had suffered a stroke. Mm. So you, he, they had to be very careful um, mm. about, you know, even during cold and flu season or hand washing on a regular basis. Now you're throwing in a brand new virus that, you know, doctors, scientists, nurses, whatever, are like, we don't know about it. Mm-hmm. So you need to be super precautious of what you're doing and it's targeting everybody yes i mean the deaths show that they're higher in the older generations but that doesn't mean the younger generations aren't catching it yeah still getting we're not immune to it and still passing it on yeah part of the and i was very scared because i'm asthmatic Mm. and i'm being told oh my god covid is something that's attacking the lungs and it was known as coronavirus still at this time we still hadn't gotten the um scientific name so coronavirus is attacking the lungs and it kills your lungs and i'm going oh my god like 
I'm asthmatic. I've had awful asthma attacks where I've been in the hospital and I've had to basically get hooked up to Ventolin because I cannot breathe. It feels like you're drowning. And I think it was a mix of, first of all, anxiety mm-hmm. and allergy season was really bad and mm-hmm. cotton and pollen Uh, Cotton weed and pollen are the worst things for me. So I was actually having what felt um, like I was on the verge of potentially having an asthma attack Mm. at that time because all the environmental factors were bad. And then also mentally, I'm freaking out and I'm stressing out and I'm feeling all this anxiety. So I think it was a really bad combination of environment as well as mental just like crashed together. And I actually ended up taking um I actually ended up taking that time off um because I was I was having a hard time breathing and I needed um you know a new prescription for my asthma inhaler and it was just a really bad time and that day that I was talking about when we had that one child you know we literally designated okay the senior educator had to deal with whatever the heck was happening. You had to be with the program director and be like, okay, this family is choosing to pull out. Now this family is doing this. Now what do we do? Where are the new policies? Like what what the heck is going on, right? Um, and then we had me. I, I'm kind of known as like the cleaning person <laughs> because... I, I remember that from when we used to work together. Right? <laughs> not, that I, not that I neglect children to clean, but I'm just like... This is dirty and this is germy. Like, and this is where the control part comes in, where if you do it, you know that it's done right. Exactly. And I, I understand that. Oh my God. So I was like, okay, I will completely purge this classroom and clean every, and when I say I cleaned every single surface, I mean, I was like on my hands and knees cleaning every single surface. I think I inhaled bleach fumes. <laughs> like, yeah, it was bad. Um, and the reason I did that, cause I had said to my senior educator, okay, cause we all had to know what was happening in, mm-hmm. in the news. We all had to be updated. So we were like, okay, well one educator just has to be with one child because you don't need more than that. Yeah. You can give that child that one-on-one attention. The other, you know, the senior educator is out doing the licensing. Yeah. Things. Doing yeah. all like the, you know, the, the booking, the bookkeeping for lack of better yeah. words, you had, Another, yeah, I'm cleaning, but, and the reason that I was cleaning was because then I could stream on Facebook, um, global and hear what, what was, what was happening so that then I could update, you know, my fellow educators to be like, Hey, this is what this, you know, this is what, uh, Dr. Henry saying, or this is what premier Horgan is saying Mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. Um, and it takes a good, strong team to be able to help each other. Yeah. With those different roles, those different jobs within the center. And it took so much communication to be um, like, okay, yes. how are we going to divide and conquer? Yeah. And exactly. yeah, it, and I was very fortunate because I worked with a really good team that we were able to divide and conquer. And you need that. Oh my God. It's essential. If yeah. you don't have that, forget it. Like everybody needs to paddle the canoe to make it go forward. Hey, nice. Right? I like that. I like that. Um, Anyway, so I remember sitting there and, you know, because we're all on edge trying to figure out our school's closing. And most importantly, our child is childcare closing because, and this comes back to the frustration that we feel in this field um, of being underappreciated. Yeah. Is because we were hearing so much about 
the school system, elementary schools, high schools, and we're going, okay, again, not that those children are not important or not that teachers are not important, but what about us? Hello. <laughs> like over like, here in the background. <laughs> you know, with all your infants and toddlers and three to five year olds. Yeah. What about us over here? Um, also educating. Yeah. Hello. Just a different age group. Yeah. Still educating, not babysitting. Yeah. Um, and I remember it briefly spoke about it. And the exact words were, childcare is not closing because it's an essential service. Yeah. I remember I literally dropped my bottle of bleach and I was so flipping angry. I could use a stronger word, but because I want to be polite, I was so flipping angry <laughs> because finally it took a freaking pandemic for us to be deemed essential. Yeah. And for them to recognize value and worth. But at the same time, it almost felt like... I felt like I got smacked in the face. It almost felt like they they were recognizing it in one way, like you said, that was just so great because you were like, thank you, we are. But at the same time, it's like, well, I guess you don't really care about us either. Exactly. <laughs> because we're still working with kids. Yes. We're, just younger we're still than, exposed. Yeah. And I mean, it's just so hard because, you know, no hate to the teachers out there. And yes, high school students, most of them should be able to take be like take care of themselves when they're at home. So if the school is closed, like they're safe. Yes. But elementary kids, are, are you leaving your elementary kids yeah. at home? Like, you know what I mean? Totally. You have to be there anyways. And then that comes back to, okay, well, do those elementary school children have before and after school care? Yeah. And if they don't, and those parents still have to work because we still have parents who are nurses, who are doctors, who are grocery store workers, yes. who are... Um, Shout out to the grocery store workers. Oh my gosh. Like, Thank you for going into work every day and being there for us. Yes. Like all, like all essential workers. Like mm-hmm. we, you put, you were able to make it so that things could still kind of flow. Yeah. Um... But again, I was so, so angry because my biggest thing was it took a pandemic for this field to be recognized as, as essential. And even then, you are still not given the same value of appreciation. Yeah. And you're still like, you're still being put in the front line and being told, okay, so all of this is happening in the world, but you know you still got to stay open and these children still need to be cared for. And that's not a bad thing. I'm not saying that children should not, you know, especially of essential workers should not have been cared for. Yeah. But the other thing that was really upsetting me was that the studies that were coming up were saying, well, children can't get COVID. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's Mm -hmm. fine. And that's a good thing. And again, this has since changed. Yep. Um, since March, but then we as the educators are going, okay, well, that's great. Children can't get COVID, but can they still pass it on to me? Yeah. Exactly. And if they pass it on to me, how am I going to be like asymptomatic? Yeah. Right? They could be exposed to it by their parents if they're still going into work, yeah. coming in, touching you, like anything. And even now with childcare opening back up with schools opening back up now on top of that i mean how many kids did you see come into daycare with their runny nose 
Uh, so many. I mean, there's a thing that us educators like to call the daycare nose. And when your child enters a daycare, it's inevitable that they will get this yellow yeah. green snot coming out of their nose. Because they're exposed to so many different germs. Which, I mean... Is good. It's good. You it's need to build that immunity. Yeah, and germs are good. But even now, it's like you have to send all those kids home. Yes. Which is crazy. Cold and flu season. Like, and I will be the first one to admit it. I am so anxious about cold and flu season. Yeah. And even the kids that I was taking care of in the summer, they got a random summer cold. And I didn't take care of them for that those two days, I think. Yeah. Because they were coming off of it. But even that third day when I did actually see them, I... They, they come to my house and I didn't even let them in my house. Thank God for the sun over the summer because we were able to stay outside all day. But in a childcare setting, in the fall, in the winter, you when are it's pouring buckets of yes. rain. And you're in Vancouver, so, you know, in the it's, greater Vancouver area. So you literally have like two months of sunshine and then boom, the rain comes. So you're going to be confined. Yes. You're going to have the same number of kids because... You need that number of kids in order to run. You yes. can't just cut half of them out and keep all the educators. Yeah. Like, and funding is gone for us to be able to work at 60 or 70% capacity. Yeah. And to still have those families be able to hold those spots. It's... It's, again, the system like, is, <laughs> is made to screw us over. <laughs> I always have a hard time coming up with words about how I feel about this. It's so... Like, it's not even, like, upsetting. It's beyond frustrating. Yeah, it's and, like, I'm, like, flabbergasted. And even then, <laughs> like you were saying about now that the months are starting to get colder and now that the months are starting, the days are starting to get shorter, yeah. um, you know, it really also depends on the age group you work with. Mm-hmm. Um, infants and toddlers, when it's, and if you have new children, especially if they're, like, maybe 10 months to just under two they don't like being outside in the pouring rain when it's cold and even if there's an undercover area with a sandbox they don't like sitting in their muddy buddy in the sandbox no like there's no mobility for them no because they're so constrained because you know you know we yes we we want children to be outside we want them to to have that outdoor, their playtime. And it's good for them to get used to the elements, but we also have to recognize that they're only going to last so long. I mean, me as an adult... They're young. Yeah, they're teeny. Like <laughs> They're kids. If me as an adult, I'm sitting outside and I have full rain gear. Like, I have... I've spent probably a good close to a thousand dollars on my rain gear Mm -hmm. like my rain pants alone were four hundred dollars because i needed to buy good quality rain pants so that i can be in the mud puddles like in you know and still be dry yeah because Um, that transition when you come back into a center you you don't get to change your clothes no you're walking in with four kids who are covered in sand and mud and and rain and maybe like the muddy buddy went up a little bit so now they're feet are full of water because you know they're touching all these surfaces that they're sharing and so with this with covid and coming into that season what is it going to look like coming in coming in and getting them to wash all their hands and you know make sure that you've got that extra time allocated so that Mm -hmm. all those precautions are being taken and that's and that comes back to another point you cannot social distance from a child you can't it's not like with the kids that i looked after when i'm saying that they're telling me to stop because i'm too close 
one is four, one is five, very close to being five and six. Yes. So they're at the age where they can stay away from me outside yeah. until I eventually ended up taking them for longer amounts of time, and then we ended up being in the same bubble. But, but I think what's in childcare. But I think what's important to also note about your situation is that you were not the one saying stay away from me. It was the children who were mm-hmm. saying. Lisa, we have to social distance. And you were respecting that boundary yes. that they yeah. were putting. And they know. They know about yeah. it. Their parents talk to them about it. And it's so vital that families are open about this. Yes. Because if you're not open, A, you're not you're not setting them up for success because you're sort of sending them in blinded. Yes. They don't know what's happening. And um, I forget what I was going to say for B. That was my main point. Just, <laughs> it's so important to communicate with children about what's happening and, and socially I, distancing with infants and is, infants and toddlers is impossible imagine imagine a regular day drop off with an infant um who maybe you've known for a few months now and is actually quite comfortable with you has just had a bad sleep yeah and they, they have they off days in, just like us they come in crying are you supposed to tell them oh sorry just put them on the ground over there and i'll uh, I'll, I'll just watch them yeah like that well, this is what I call neglect. You have to have contact. Yes. You, you have to be able to You have, have to give them hugs. You have to be, you know, if they want to sit on your lap, you can't say, sorry, you're not allowed to sit on my lap. If they're sad and they're looking for comfort, you have to comfort them. You have to give them those hugs. You have to give them that physical contact that yes. they require. Yeah. Anything else is neglect. Yeah. And that's not to say that, you know, if a child wants a hug that you can't say no to that because I mean depending on what age they are and what situation you're in I think it's important to also just do boundary reminders yeah. throughout the day but but overall I mean I don't think I've ever heard an educator turn down a hug from a child no um and again it it comes back to what their boundaries are yeah so if I would never impose myself on a child Mm -hmm. because that is not respecting their body. And that comes to another topic of consent, which will we, which we will probably come. Another podcast. Yeah. Another podcast. podcast. Don't you worry. (laughs) Um, but if a child is coming up to me and they're crying or not even if they're crying, but even if they're just happy, yeah, you know, and they're saying they want to show you something. Yeah. Or, or even they're saying, I want to sit on your lap and read a book or I want, you know, I want to tell you a secret. I want a hug (laughs) or whatever. Right. Like you're not going to be like, sorry, you need to stay all the way over there. Yeah, because educators, that's what we do. Yes. We are there to read with them. We are there to play with them. We are there to guide them and give them that care. And we have said that the foundation of early childhood is care. It is. And that's why this topic of care during COVID is so important to talk about. And one of the things, Kayla, that I wanted to ask you is what you think about face masks because this came up towards the end of my semester in one of my classes and there were sort of you know differentiating opinions about what we should or shouldn't be doing in terms of like PPE precautions right and I know if we talk about essential workers in Savon who are coming into contact with people they have face masks or a clear face shield yep. you can still see their mouth people that prepare food they have the face shields that sort of come up so yep. they're not breathing down on your food but 
what are your takes being in a childcare center with a mask? Because I didn't need to wear one nannying. So we, in my center, we don't wear face masks um, with children. And I personally, because my, my own personal philosophy is there is so much going on out there right now children's worlds and our world so imagine how hard it was for us as adults for our world to literally just go do a complete 180 mm-hmm. and completely flip and mm-hmm. what you knew as normal back in february is no longer normal now that we're in september yeah or october or whatever right like so much has changed now imagine like you and I, maybe we're we're still having a hard time dealing with all these con- the consequences of everything that has happened, but we're better able to understand it. We're better able to cope with it. We may not like it, mm-hmm. um, but we are at least we can endure it. Yes, exactly. Now imagine all those feelings in a person under the age of five. I know it's I, it's hard. It's. A lot. And so my personal philosophy is that childcare should not, and there's a difference between childcare and daycare, which I think we should talk about in another episode. Um, my personal philosophy is that in childcare, this should be the safe zone. This should be the place where there should be a sense of quote normal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah, Again, normal is going to look very different for children who were previously in your center and now we're coming back to a new normal mm-hmm. versus children who are starting out and this is the only normal that they have ever known. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so for us in, you know, for us, what we basically end up doing, do we have precautions? 100% because yes. you need to have those precautions. Yeah. So the precautions in my particular center are we're very um, fortunate that we've got great outdoor space and we do have a big classroom. Mm. We were to- we were basically told that your bubble are is is your center. Mm-hmm. So the people that you the educators that you work with, again, we can't really social distance from each other because mm-hmm. we need we have to be able to be in close proximity um, yeah. of each other. You cannot social distance from children because they require you mentally, physically, emotionally. The people that you can social distance from are other educators from the other centers and parents. Mm. So parents... um, Is that in terms of drop-off for parents? Yes. So before what we used to do was parents were more than welcome to come in spend some time with us um read a book to their child read a book to their child like you know really um it felt like a community when they came in absolutely and you know nothing was really off limits for lack of better words um you know we had parents who we encourage to stay for like, you know, 20 minutes. Yeah. If, if they, you have the time. Yeah. Like, why not? Sit down, yeah. read a book. And other children loved interacting with other parents. Totally. Like, um, last year I had lots of um, parents who uh, were pregnant or had just given birth. Mm. And it was nice because one of our mothers, she would come in, you know, with her child and the newborn And she would sit there and she would read a story to all the children or their interaction with her was 
they enjoyed watching the baby and she would breastfeed um, mm. right then, you know, right there. If the baby was hungry, she would just sit and breastfeed and read stories to the other children. And that was a very nice, um, that was a great sense of community because now the, now these little people are, are curious about, okay, well, why does the baby need this? Well, why, you know, why are we following baby's cues? How can we gentle with baby? Um, and it was, and it was really lovely. Also, what is breastfeeding? Yes, exactly. And I love the fact that you mentioned that because it just shows the value and the respect that you have for a mother coming into the center and feeling comfortable enough to do that there because there is a lot of shame that goes out there yes to, to new mothers that they can't do certain things and the fact that you like just, feed their child like, like what the heck is up child. with that one like it's so messed up and i love that that is something that really brought you guys together but now with COVID, now with covid we we don't we can't have that and it's really it's really hard because especially with new families it is harder to build those bonds mm-hmm. because so much of it happened during pick up and drop off, you know, of, which is now, is that very quick? Is that it's so quick? It's literally, so everything's done outside. First mm-hmm. of all, well, um, everything's done outside. Everything's done outside. Okay. So what we have is we literally have like a sign in sheet. We have what's called our health declaration. Mm-hmm. So parents have to sign that every day and it literally just means like no your symptoms. your child is like no, has no symptoms and if they're even showing the littlest symptom they're not allowed to come. Side note every person also attending elementary and high school will have to sign that as they come in. That's so each so tough. Each person in every grade in a high school huge, right? Yeah. Has to be screened. You're talking like and signed off. 30 kids a class. <laughs> Crazy. Continue, sorry. That's okay. Um so there's the health declaration uh, we've got a hand sanitizer, like it's all set up outside. And we have recently, because we are going back to full, because we're back to full numbers, we've recently had to put in, uh, it's not so much a requirement as it is a recommendation, but many, um, parents are very respectful in following this, that parents have to wear masks for pickup and drop off because it's going to be very congested. Yes. Um, so parents have to wear masks and, because I work in, I work uh, in a very large society. Um, we actually also, um, our director actually also had to send out an email to say, okay, if you are in this center or this center and this center, then you are only allowed to park here. Mm, and even do, separating the parking, yes, that's important. To be like, okay, you know, because we want to avoid people going back and forth and back and forth. It literally needs to be like, you're in and you're out. Well, what I was wondering is that when we worked at a center together, the parents, uh, most of them had a pretty scheduled time that we would know about when yeah. they would drop off, about when they would pick up. And in the morning, sometimes it would be, like you said, so congested, you'd have like one kid show up right on the dot. And then five minutes later, five families were there with kids. Yes. And we were like, good morning everybody totally in terms of like the families that all need to drop off at eight o'clock because they've got to get on the road to get to work is there other than wearing face masks in that congested has there been talks of a scheduled time for drop off because they can't get in that quickly no um so we want to avoid having to have scheduled drop offs and pickups yeah however people have the same 
like nine to five, nine to five, nine yeah. to five. So how and do you how do you decipher who gets to come drop off first? Totally. <laughs> um, and that's hard because we actually had to have a conversation with a lot of our families to be like, can you give us an estimated guideline or time of when you're going to pick up and drop off? And again, our you know superiors, for lack of better words, mm-hmm. had to send out an email to basically be like, okay. I understand that this is tough and I understand that it's going to be hard on all of us, but we need we need to at least have an idea of what your pickup and drop-off times are. And it's not just so much to relieve congestion, but it's also so that we can have adequate adequate staff. Mm, that's important. Right? And um, I think even before COVID, that should have been something that's in place. Not because you're timing a parent and if you are not there by 4.30, which is when you said you would be there and you get there an hour later, like we're thinking poorly of you. That's not the case at all, but it's very much so that we know, okay, what's, what's scheduling going to look like? Mm -hmm. Because again, you know, most places cannot pay their employees overtime and overtime happens. Overtime happens more than, more than we would like to admit. Um, or you know, another system that I, that I know happens is like, okay, well, if you work overtime, then you come in, later this day or you get to leave earlier that day which again maybe you can't do because most parents have to drop off at a certain time but they cannot pick up again until a certain time right so it's not rare that you have most of your numbers by let's say nine o'clock but none of them leave until the end of the day right because you know parents need to you know parents don't may not have that luxury to be able to get to their children on time. Yeah. And, or, and even with traffic, who knows? Well, exactly, right? <laughs> we just talked about this in our previous episode and how what traffic's going to look like with this care during COVID. Because I know um, it's significantly reduced on the North Shore for that period of time when literally everybody was home. Yeah. But it's already starting up again. to pick back up in August. It yes. was like there was highway backups and, again already. And, and I, we're not even in September with full time, like you said. Totally. A lot of kids have elected not to be in centers for the summer months, but that's not something you can continuously do. Totally. And I think this brings up another point. Most of our families are are working from home right now. And Mm -hmm. when it used to be easier, um, you know, pre-COVID to, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? To be able to, Flexible. thank you. There was a little bit more flexibility um, when COVID first started for families, you know, to have their children at home, to have Zoom meetings while having maybe a toddler running around in the background. Well, again, now families and employers and employees are going to a new normal, and maybe employers are not going to be as flexible with their employees or their workers having their child running around in the back. And so, again, childcare is still very essential because. Parents need to work. They need to get paid. They need to be able to provide their children with basic needs and more if they're able to. Absolutely. Um, which, again, this it's just it's all going to be so different. It, it's going to be not only different. It's going to take a lot of time to get used to. It's and it's going to be hard to try to get into this new sense of normal and. The challenge that we are facing as childcare workers is how can we make our spaces the safe space for children? Mm-hmm. And have that flexibility within a space to let the children learn and play and engage 
in a safe way, similar to what we had before COVID. Because you can't, like we said, you can't social distance with kids. No. So you can't expect them to social distance from each other. Yeah. You know, I've seen kids go up to each other and they're kind of like hesitant at first. Yeah. But now that, you know, parks are starting to open and things like that, they're aware of it, but they, it's, they're children. It's beautiful to see children playing together. And I think everyone can attest to that. So it's so important for educators to be aware and make the changes that need to be made because it will fluctuate. It will. And children still need that socialization with each other, Mm -hmm. with other adults, with their peers, you know, to be able to learn how to be a, a social being. Yeah. Um, it's, it's going to be challenging and are we up for the challenge? I, I say yes, because again, you know, the reason that we are in this field is because we love and care for children and we value children. Is it going to be hard? Yeah. Are we going to face more burnout? Yes. 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. But it's being aware of all of these things and still persevering. Yes. And that's why... Talking about care during COVID for children, for fellow educators, and for yourself has been so important for mm-hmm. us to talk about. And the other thing that I want to add, too, is recognizing and having more people recognize that, guess what? We are essential. We were essential before this pandemic. We are essential. We were essential during the pandemic. We, were, we are now even more essential post-pandemic. Yeah. And, and I think you said this on one of our other podcasts is that... We are educators and we matter. And that, yes. that saying, that phrase means more now than, than it did than before. it has before. Or it's just getting highlighted. Yes. And, and I think a lot of people are recognizing too that if we're going to get back to, you know, restarting the economy or getting the economy going, that's not going to happen unless families have access to quality, affordable childcare. Absolutely. And that's a great place to pause this podcast so that we can talk about affordability with childcare in an upcoming episode with you guys. We would like to say thank you so much for tuning in and please email us if you have any comments, questions, curiosities, suggestions of what you would like to hear about from us at ecehonestly at gmail.com. Or you can always DM us at ecehonestly on Instagram. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Mm